Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Chapone, and on this episode we got Liam Griffin on the pod. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dom. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on a show that's not my own. Alrighty. Uh, well, for those of you don't know, uh, who don't know, uh, Liam's got his own podcast. It is the Full Court Press podcast. You can find it on Spotify as well as on Apple Podcasts, so please give it a like and check it out. Um, Liam, we're just going to get started right away. So... First topic of conversation, we're basically going to go over some recent NBA news um, okay. and some of the topics that have dominated the headlines uh, basically in the past week or so. Uh, and our first stop takes us to Minnesota where we have uh, the Timberwolves firing their head coach Ryan Saunders after three seasons in which, in which he posted a 43-94 and record, including this season only being 7-24 and um, for the 2021 season. So just, uh, Liam, what are your basic thoughts? Uh, how are you feeling right now? Look, I understand that the Minnesota Timberwolves have dealt with injuries, right? But at the same time, when you have a roster with two bona fide studs and Carl Anthony Towns and D loading, I mean, how are you only seven and twenty-four? I mean, ever since I've started following the NBA, I think it was around 2011, 2012, I the Minnesota Timberwolves have been in the playoffs. Drum roll, please. A grand total of once. one time. I was gonna and say. That one time, they were an 8 seed, lost in the first round to the 65-win Rockets in 2018. But So, given that they are such a down in the doldrums franchise, I mean, is it really relevant? I mean, personally, if I were Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, I would demand trades. I think that's the interesting case. I actually wanted to bring this up a little bit later, but we can bring it up now. I think Carnathan Towns, besides Bradley Beal, is like the next superstar that might be gone within like the next year or so. Because listen, he might is he under contract? Absolutely. But this is a case right now where we have a franchise currently in the middle of purgatory, where they are not good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to just tank for a really good pick. Because Carnathan Towns himself is just too good. Like him as your best player. He automatically gives you a certain amount of wins that just puts you out of that spot to get a, let's say, a top five pick in one draft or a top three pick in another. And I think that this whole situation with Minnesota is just crazy. I mean, we've had a franchise basically stuck in turmoil where they've always been in this middle of the pack where they're winning just enough games over uh, a couple other teams and they're not even in the playoff picture to begin with. And they've just made a bunch of, uh, quite frankly, a lot of mistakes in the past couple of years. I honestly think that the Wiggins D'Lo trade looks pretty bad right now, especially when we consider that asset. That Minnesota pick right now that Golden State owns is extremely valuable because let's say Minnesota finishes like let's say sixth overall. Golden State get or uh, Golden State gets that pick this year if they fall out of the top three. And if Minnesota let's say stays at the current position right now and ends up with like the second pick, Golden State gets an unprotected first round pick next year, and the Timberwolves aren't just going to be out of no, out of the blue a 49-win team that, you know, is the seventh seed, they're going to be in the bottom feeders just like they were this year. And you mentioned them being in purgatory. They've been in purgatory for a really long time, and that's what's concerning about this whole situation. So is it relevant? No, but I think that I think the big story here has to be D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns should request trades and get traded to Boston. I think the interesting thing uh, out of this, uh, definitely this picture, is that basically where does Minnesota go from here? Because they just recently re- uh, signed a new coach. It was that Toronto assistant, um, that assistant coach. And I just don't know where the, the direction of this franchise, they just need to pick a direction. Because we've seen time and time again that they constantly flip-flop between all these different things. They draft some young players, and then they're signing Gorgie Jeng to, you know, $60 million. And then they think that they have a young guy in Wiggins, and then they trade him for an, a, a guy in D'Lo who puts up great numbers and ends up and is not just a good player. I think 
I think she Oh, well, not just a good player. I don't know about that. I disagree. I think what's have the deal with debate right now? Is Dilo a good NBA? I just don't think he is. I think that the playmaking numbers are down and they don't really like showcase how bad of a decision maker he is. He's visually talented. He's an outstanding player, but he has never been in a great situation. You take a look at the Lakers. They didn't want him there because the whole trouble off the car. You go to the Nets. He had no one around him. When he signed with the Warriors, he was playing. He was behind Steph Curry as point guard. I mean. He's not going to work as a shooting guard. That's that's ridiculous to me that anyone would think that would work. And then you you throw him into Minnesota, base purgatory franchise in the NBA. I just think on paper, it, on paper the product is awesome because he's like this really big shoot uh, point guard that can uh, match up and play off the ball on defense, that can shoot threes, that can pass. But in reality, it's just been a total disappointment. The lack of athleticism is killer, especially at the point guard position. But then you can't play him at the two because he's not a good defender. I just think that he's not a really a good player. And I just think that Minnesota giving up a valuable asset to get him is just a ridiculous decision. And it goes back to Minnesota's general management. They have time and time again proven that they cannot capably handle building around Carnthony Towns. Even when they had Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins as like that core, it wasn't like they were gonna be like a consistent playoff team. Like where was that team going? Nowhere. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Although but- I do I do think that if they had kept Jimmy Butler or the situation wasn't as toxic, you know what I mean? I think they would be in a slightly better position than they are now, but at the same time Oh I mean better than the you know last in the Western Conference. Anything is better at this point, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just from some other stats, Minnesota currently 25th in points scored on offense this year and 25th in points allowed on defense. So in other words, you basically have bottom five offense and a bottom five defense this year. So I understand the Ryan Saunders firing. I don't think he was like a really good coach. He didn't bring anything much to the table. Um, but with that said, again, the lack of direction for this franchise is pretty killer. All right, so we're going to move on to actually my favorite topic probably of this new segment. we got the streaking Washington Wizards. Uh, currently 11-17 and 17 on the year, but have won five straight games. Bradley Beal is currently averaging a 33-5-5, 48% from the field, 34% from three, and 89% from the line. Uh, what have your been thoughts on the uh, on the Wizards this year, especially toward like this uh, these last couple weeks? My thoughts are it's about damn time. And because they've got the pieces to make a semi-decent playoff run, in my opinion. I mean, a few months ago, I said they were going to be a five-seed in the East, and they got up to that... Terrible, terrible, terrible patch. I mean, they lost to the Clippers last night in LA. I don't really think there's, I don't think there's much shame in that, considering the Clippers had a full roster, right? But they're playing, find they're finally playing like the team they have the potential to play as. And when you put Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in the same backcourt, I mean, there's there's no excuse for slot for being six and seventeen. There's no excuse. I mean, they they. Maybe the best on paper backcourt in the NBA. No, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you that much because I honestly believe that, especially out in the East where there's a lot of like uh, questions about like that bottom like tier of groups like the Hornets and the Knicks of the world. I honestly thought, hey, if the Wizards had a backcourt that literally had two All NBA players, they would at least be a tenth seed or at least a ninth seed. They would be in the bubble fight, all that stuff. And we've just seen this year; it's been a struggle. The defense this year for Washington's been absolutely miserable. They are currently 29th in points allowed. I think I'm trying to figure out what the other team that's worse is, but they're basically one of like the arguably the worst defense. All right, it's Sacramento. The Sacramento's the other team. Basically, those two teams are fighting for the worst uh, defense in the league. Russell Westbrook is averaging a 29 and 9, but he's just not, he's gone back to the old ways of, you know, taking a bunch of three pointers and making one a game and taking these long twos. And I get he's been uh, a little bit unhealthy and all that stuff, but it's just been rough. Like, I honestly thought that, especially with Bradley Bill as your best player and Russell Westbrook as your second best player, you would at least be, you know, like a 
a 40-win pace, a 41-win pace, like in an 82-game season, obviously. I think they would should have been 500. I don't know about what you're thinking. I mean, they should have at least been 500, but you know how you know how high I was on them at the start of the year and how disappointing it was to see them sort of tumble away. I mean, I love Rui Hachimura. He's a, I think he's got a really bright future in this league. And then Bonga is overrated. Davis Bertans is a great weapon off the bench. But is it... Is Russell Westbrook in over his head? I think so. I think he's been over his head for like the last couple of years. He tries to act like an alpha, but he's more like a, honestly, like a theta. He's not even a beta. He's in another realm where you just can't have, even as your second best player, we've seen that there's been problems with him because he's just prone to uh, ball hogging almost. And basically just taking the ball and be like, I'm going to show in this possession with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. I'm going to take a long three point, even though I'm a career 29% three point shooter. I'm going to dribble the ball and not give it to anybody and not try to make others better. We've just seen it time and time again with Russell Westbrook. And maybe as a third is, as a third banana, could you win a title with him? Probably, because if he's your third best player, you probably have two really good he's players on your team. He's never going to be the third best player on a team. But he's just, exactly, he has that mindset. And I fear, especially, the problem with his game is that he does not age well in basketball. Guys that rely on athleticism who have streaky jump shots and aren't consistent on defense tend to not do well. I'm worried what's going to happen, maybe not this year, but maybe let's say two years from now, where Westbrook is going to be 33, let's say, still under a massive contract, and we're just like, what is he? Like, is he still a second banana, or is he more like a fake banana? You know, I understand uh, that uh, he was injured, but look what's happened to Derek Rose right now. He's not the MVP player he once was. But are you arguing that? But you're but no no no, no 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 I'm arguing for your point that okay okay players that are super athletic tend to decline over the years. No no I totally agree. Like we're seeing like guys like even John Wall. John Wall for as great as he's been this year is like eighty five percent what he was when he made like the All NBA second team and or All NBA third team was it twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen? It's just hard. Guys that rely on athleticism literally just age poorly. It's just a fact. Now I want to play a little game with you. So. Uh, they. I'm gonna basically the Wizards have a shallow roster, and I want to tell you. I wanted to give you a clue. Uh, basically a game as to who on the Wizards has played the most minutes per game this year, because there are a lot of guys where I was like, that guy no way is playing this amount. So basically, there are currently um nine players in the Wizards who play more than 19 minutes per game, and I want you to name all nine of them. Okay. All right. So and excluding can... uh, so plus inc- we'll count we won't count uh Beal and Westbrook. So we got eight other guys. Seven. Or seven other guys, excuse me. Okay, yeah, I think I can do this. So you've got Rui Hachimura, in. Davis Bertans, in. Isaac Bonga. Not Isaac Bonga. Really? No, not nineteen. Not over 19 per game. So we got Hachimura and Bertans. Ishmith? In. Yeah, it's tougher than I thought it'd be. I'll give you a hint. One of the guys currently right now is not playing. He, he was injured early on the Thomas season. Thomas Bryant? Correct, yep, he's in. Gosh, I should know this. It sounds so high. Well, th- that's what I'm saying. Is that it's how random this Wizards cast is. Like, it's a bunch of role players who shouldn't be on an NBA team. Okay, who are the other three? Uh, we're missing Raul Nato. Who? Raul Nato. You don't know who he is? Okay, uh, name rings the bell, but you, the, I haven't heard of you know, the go- the goat backup point guard. Uh, we got Robin Lopez, a former. Oh dear. Yeah, and uh, Danny Avdia. Oh, that's the yeah. lottery pick from Israel. Yep, the he actually has. I will say, uh, he has shown definitely some promise this year. But man, playing him playing next to Westbrook and Beal is just hard for him to get touches. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. All right, our next storyline: uh, Demarcus Cousins, currently uh, not on an NBA team, was just recently released by the Houston Rockets, uh, averaging just the, uh, this year ten points, eight rebounds, and two assists in just twenty minutes per game off of the bench. 
uh, for Houston before he got cut. Uh, currently shooting only 38% from the field, but 34% from three on some decent volume and 75% for the line. Uh, where would he fit? What do you think is a good team that he should be on? I think he should be on your Boston Celtics, not going to lie. He's not going to be on the Celtics because they wouldn't start him as center. Because, spoiler, he's actually big. Do you need him to start center? Or? Uh, yes, but I don't know if... You don't, you don't let, think... me, let me take over as GM, then I'll fix the Celtics. So, I've got DeMarcus Cousins listed with the Brooklyn Nets because there's obviously the big sort of super team type connection there. And then another destination I have for him is the Portland Trailblazers because I think their center position is not as reliable as people think. I mean, Nurkic is extremely injury prone. He sat out of all of last season prior to the bubble. And then came back in the bubble and then got injured again. Yeah, no, he'll be out until past the All Star break, unless I'm mistaken. So, I think that that signing could potentially work. I mean, maybe get a sort of platoon type deal with the two. I know platoon is a term normally used in baseball, but at the same time, it could work. But yeah, I don't see him going to Boston. So I currently right now have him as seven teams that he can help out. So. Uh, in order, just on first Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Uh, in Eastern Conference, I think that he could help out Boston just because they need some sort of big man depth because I'm tired of seeing Semi Ojale play 20 minutes a game or them going with really small ball. Um, I also have Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn would be an amazing fit just because of the name recognition as well as he could just be a big off the bench that's not Nick Claxton. Um, I have the Raptors because Alex Wen this year has been a toothpick off the bench. He has been basically useless. Um, and I got the Horn I got the Hornets and the Wizards, just two frisky playoff teams that could just use a veteran, uh, especially at the big position, because um, if you're looking at Washington's position, Thomas Bryant's injured, they need like that backup big man. And if you're the Hornets, you got Cody Zeller and I guess PJ Washington at the five, and like other than Biombo though, you're not really rocking a backup five. Having a guy that can be a spacer off the floor for Lamelo would be kind of cool. Uh, and then also at West, I think uh, the Lakers might re-sign him, as weird as that sounds. There, no, that's already been shut down. I'm sorry. Underrated team that I got, Phoenix Suns. Not in case DeAndre Aiden, let's say, is in foul trouble. You don't want to play Sarge at the five. You don't want to play the rookie. Um, I forget who the rookie's name is. They got him at the 10th pick. Um, at the five, you could basically just slide in Boogie for like, you know, eight to 15 minutes a game. Well, here's the problem, though. In Houston, he was angry about not getting enough minutes because Christian Wood. So, why, why would he accept the reserve role now? I think if you're in the shoes of DeMarcus Cousins, a team is going to sign you, and you just need to find the one that, like, just gives you an offer. Because if you look at his career, basically an assortment of lower leg injuries, which hurts not only just any NBA player, but especially a big man who, like, and, and is in, like, the, the, the mold as DeMarcus Cousins, you're just taking any offer at this point. <coughs> I also think this is more of, like, a Rockets thing, where, like, the Rockets knew that DeMarcus Cousins was a short-term investment. They knew that Christian, what was the future? The Rockets, as good as they were, like, at the beginning of this year, just wanted to, like, hit the reset button, and they didn't need Boogie on the team because he was just going to give them wins. I think Boogie just takes the best offer available. Okay. All righty, our next move, we have two former Detroit Pistons, uh, one currently, well, one currently on the Pistons, and one uh, who was traded a little bit uh, last year. Uh, we got Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, uh, basically two notable players who are not playing any minutes right now because both their teams have decided to sit them out. Um, do you, where do you think they should specifically go? Do you have any trade destinations in mind? Um, and will they affect like a potential contender uh, realistically with like winning, either making the finals, winning a title, advancing the playoffs, you name it? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say I think the whole sitting them out thing does more hurt than it does help because not, not, not only for them because they're not winning games, but thinking, thinking about it holistically, 
those two players are not going to be in game shape when they arrive in their new cities. And that's just the truth of the matter. I mean, it could have been weeks or, dare I say, months by the time they finally are in a new home. So that being said, this does no good. But going back to the topic of destinations, for Blake Griffin, I've got one interesting one. How about a reunion in L.A.? I don't really think he's got starting material anymore, but one thing I think the Clippers lack is front court depth other than Zubats. So I think that would be a great fit there. And then for Andre Drummond, I've got a whole list. Brooklyn, name recognition, I think he'd get the starting job there. Don't get me wrong, DeAndre Jordan has been playing well. I've also got the Clippers for Andre Drummond because I don't really think that their front court is that great with the exception of PG-13 and Fungi Kawhi and maybe Zubats, I don't know. Maybe Marcus Morris, but they, I think their front court needs strengthening if they are to compete with the Lakers' size, or dare I say it, the Nuggets' size after what happened last year. I also got the Toronto Raptors. I would love him in Toronto. I would not love him in Toronto. I don't want them getting better. I don't want to have to face them oh, again. I, I, me, the, me, the non-biased fan, would love him in Toronto. Me, the Heat fan, would not want him in Toronto. Yeah, and you, me, the Celtics uh, fan, also would not want him in Toronto either. Yeah, but they've been primary trade talks. I mean, they, it's clear that they have missed Gasol and Ibaka this year, so I think that would help them a lot. And then I've got the Celtics. I actually think they would start him in center, but I don't know if Danny Ainge, with that $28.3 million trade exception, which he could still afford him with, would trade for him. Yeah, so let's start with Blake Griffin. I think the problem, so I think the problem with both these players is what are teams going to give up in order to get these players? Because, for example, if you're looking at Blake Griffin, he not only is on a massive contract and is like, you know, 40% of the player that he was, you know, two years ago, but he's under a multi year deal. So a buyout is already complicated with Detroit. No team wants to take on long term salary unless like, it's, they're getting assets in return. So would Detroit be willing, up, willing to give up assets? to get off Blake Griffin? I don't think so, because if not, who are they going to spend the money on? Uh, and then if you're in the case of Cleveland with Andre Drummond, you basically got Andre Drummond for two expirings and a second rounder. What are you getting for him right now in yeah, return? That, I think his that, value is that so Drummond low. trade was super confusing, in my opinion. Because, I mean, Cleveland was in no position to compete, right? So... I'm going to be honest, at least the theory of it I liked at the time, in retrospect, knowing that they got Jared Allen for basically nothing, I wish they never traded for him in the first place. Yeah, Jared Allen, he, he bought out tonight. He had 26 and 18, so... And he's really good. Like, I could see why Cleveland wants to play him a ton of minutes because he's been arguably their third or second best player, depending on if you have Darius Garland. Um, and I love the guy. I think the, thing, the interesting thing is going to be the Andre Drummond piece because I don't think teams are going to really try to trade for him. I think it's going to be a buyout situation if you're on Cleveland's front. You don't want a disgruntled guy off your bench, and at the same time, you're not in a good position. They've lost nine games in a row, already bottoming out in the East. The chance of them even making the play-in tournament's like super low. So I think they're in a situation where like uh, moving on from Andrew Drummond is a good move. I would love to see him, uh, if not Toronto, in Brooklyn for sure. I think he's already just like the exact big day need where when DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan just can't be a starter right now. Andre Drummond just grabbing rebounds and just doing the job that he's supposed to do, which is just give energy on defense and... Uh, um, and basically just rebound uh, and crash the glass and basically start the offense for James Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. I think that's where Andre Drummond fits the mold in. Yeah, he would be outstanding with that crew. I mean, he'd be more than outstanding with that crew. I mean, especially considering they need a center. Yeah, no, I also want to see him potentially on... Um, I really want to see him on your Boston Celtics. I think Danny should use the trade exception. I don't know why he hasn't... I think that would be a, that's really a go-to he, move. Because he's the stingiest MF out there. I think I think if you're not looking for guard depth behind Kemba Walker, you're looking for a big who can just play 30 minutes and just be big. Like literally, they need 
honestly, Steve, uh, Steve, the Steven Adams, Andre Drummond type guy of just tough, uh, or, a tough physical defender who can just be a guy in the perimeter who can prevent paint shots, focus only on the defense. Because the thing is that Andre Drummond in Cleveland was a really big scorer, but on Boston, when he's behind three other do- uh, dominant scorers in Kemba, Tatum, and Brown, he doesn't need to be a guy shooting 15 times a game. Exactly. He would fit what the Celtics need perfectly, but I know we'll get into this later. Will they trade for him? Well, let's actually talk about it right now because that is the end of our NBA news segment. Let's get into both of our teams right now because I want to start with the Boston Celtics. Started off, basically, we have an interesting case between with the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics because the Boston Celtics started off strong, ended up being at one point um, the third best team in the Eastern Conference. We were leading for a while. Yeah, actually. and you guys were leading. And then they since have been a tailspin. They've had tough losses to teams like Detroit and these. Twice. And twice. And all these, like, really subpar Eastern and Western Conference teams. And I just got to ask, what's been wrong this year with the Boston Celtics? I have a couple reasons as to why they've just been underwhelming. You could make a whole list. I mean, is it coaching? Is it Danny Ainge? Is it Kemba Walker's slow progression? Is it the Jays not being aggressive enough? There's a whole freaking list. But here's the stat that makes me sort of, kind of sort of optimistic, is that the lineup that the Celtics had in the Eastern Conference Finals last year They've only played two games together and 21 total minutes together. That has me at least a little bit optimistic that they can turn around. That's why I think your Heat can turn around, too, because they've been dealing with injuries and COVID and things like that throughout the whole season, right? So, at the same time, you got to win these games. I mean, let's let's take a look at here at the schedule, shall we? I mean, let's start with last Sunday. New Orleans Pelicans, you're up by 24 halfway through the third quarter. They, they were up at halftime and grew the lead blow, heading into midway through the third quarter. They blow that game in overtime. To a team that, by the way, is a non-playoff team right now. And, and one-point loss against Indiana, three-point loss against Detroit. They've lost to Detroit twice. 30-point loss to the Knicks. The Laker game, that was tough. The flop games with Embiid. <laughs> I mean... I mean, they're our first in the Eastern Conference now. I wouldn't be a... The Embiid, helped, Embiid flopped them to victory, though. There's no denying that. So basically, in summary, just the team has been underwhelming. I can narrow it down to a couple impacts. I think first off, I predicted this when we did your podcast about a month and a half ago. I think the team is just really shallow with depth. After their starting lineup, you're running with a washed-up Jeff Teague, Kevin Pritchard before he got injured. Even though he actually was He's a pretty back. good player. He's back. Um, Semi Ojale, who's like a blah. Uh, Aaron Neesmith. Um, I forget the first guy's name, but Green. Um, Javante. Javante Green. It's just been, you can't win when those are your core bench guys. You just really can't produce in the regular season. And you're putting so much on Tatum and Brown's shoulders that then they're going to burn, maybe they'll win now, but they're going to burn out the playoffs. You know, but, you know, the thing is, is that when you have two all-stars like Tatum and Brown, there is no excuse to be 15 and 17. There is I totally no agree. excuse they to be They need to be at least 500 right now. No, they need to be more than 500 in my opinion. There was a stat that came out actually earlier today that they're Boston, the only they're the only exactly sub five hundred with two all stars. Yeah, and that gets me mad because we'll get into this later. But with like you know a couple key guys like Chris Middleton and Bam not making it, that just like made me livid. And anyway, I think the other thing also is that Kemba Walker is about seventy percent of what he was um, when he was in Charlotte. The the knee injuries are just killer. Where he's like he just the the burst of athleticism, the jump shot looks short. He just doesn't look the same, and I think that. I'm not gonna say like this now because at the time I thought it was a dumb move on the part of Charlotte to basically swap Rozier for uh, Walker. But in reality, I think if you're Boston right now, you would rather have this year's version of Terry Rozier than this version of Kemba Walker. 
Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I could actually agree with that. Especially if you look at Terry Rozier, he's been an excellent three-point shooter. What's made him good this year is that he's played off the ball. Lamelo's played. Uh, L- uh, Lamelo and Devontae Graham have, to an extent, shared the ball duties, uh, the ball handling duties with him. I mean, he's been the... a fantastic defender on the perimeter. I think I would rather have him, uh, especially was, next to Marcus Smart. I was really skeptical when the Celtics let Rozier go for Kemba because much younger could have gotten him for a cheaper deal. It's just. I don't understand what Danny Ainge is doing. By, by far and away, the Celtics' biggest mistake was not trading Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott right now would be your sixth man off the bench right and now. I was livid when Danny Ainge didn't do that for trying to get Oladipo or Sabonis. I was livid. I mean... Think about that. Wait, imagine, imagine if Gordon Hayward was traded for Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo. That would have been awesome for you guys. We, we never would have gotten Oladipo, but... If we had been able to get Turner and McDermott and maybe a pick, I would have been thrilled because that would have solved our, both our needs. Starting center, depth. And even starting center aside, Turner fits exactly what you need. There is a, like, I think people need to forget, like, understand that it is rare for a center to be the best, arguably a top three paint protector in the league while also being decent on the perimeter and he could shoot threes and doesn't, like, be a, a ball stopper. That is literally the, like what the Celtics were lacking last year. Like when we were when when uh our Heat were taking on your Celtics, Daniel Tice and your Robert Williamses were not stopping Bam at a bile. He was getting out rebounded. They were getting out uh, worked on both offense and defense. Miles Turner would prevent that easily. And you know, people fans are calling for Brad Stevens to be fired, and fans love Brad Stevens going to the air. I think just that explains how dire the situation is. See, honestly, I think that I think firing the coach would be very dumb. I'm gonna be honest. I think this is not a coach fault. I think this is a roster management fault on the part of Danny Ainge. You had opportunities to make your roster better, and instead you sat you sat down pat, used the mid level accession on a position you didn't on a position that you needed, but not the right fit. You ended up signing a bunch of um, guys on the minimum on minimum contracts. You swapped. You basically um, had the opportunity to swap uh, to keep Rozier instead of swapping it for Kemba Walker on a larger contract. You chose to keep Kemba. You had the option to trade for Turner, and you didn't. Especially with Gordon Hayward not being at a hundred percent value, because Gordon Hayward right now would be way more uh, of an asset than he would two years ago or even a year ago. It's ridiculous on the part of Boston. They have shot themselves in the foot time and time again. And this is a team that has made the Eastern Conference Finals three, three of the past four the last years. Four years, and we've and lost they, all three. And they have blown each and every series. And two. Okay, of those that's are- a stretch. We blew two of them. Not not the one with Le- not the one with LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. I'm sorry, we maybe were, not that one, but be- they there, were better. There was no way that you guys should have lost last year. There is no, no way. No, we shouldn't have lost. That year. We shouldn't have lost. You guys were the better team. We should have lost. We shouldn't have lost to LeBron in Game Seven. I mean. 79 points. That's just that's just no good. Exactly. So I'm going to move on to um, uh, basically to the Miami Heat now. So I, I guess you can go first since you're the guest in the pod. What, um, I mean, obviously definitely a slower start, but now they've actually picked it up a bit. Currently ninth or 10th in the Eastern Conference right now, basically in the middle of that bubble pack looking to move their way up in the standings. Uh, what's stood out in the past couple weeks with Miami? Because they've definitely turned it around uh, recently. Obviously Jimmy Butler helps for sure. Well, the boys are back in town. I mean, that's been a bit of a... That's been playing through my head because we're all back and out of quarantine, you know. So, I think the what people don't realize about the Heat this year is that they've been dealing with injury school. I mean, Butler was out for a while. Adebayo was out for a while. Tyler Hero was out for a while. Unless I'm mistaken, Goran Dragic. Dragic's been out. Had Dragic's been knee out Knee injury and then ankle injury. Pretty sure Bradley was out for a while, too. He's still out and out for another month. Yeah, so they haven't had their full band. 
And that's why they've been struggling. There was, a, get... there was a point at one point where after the first, I think, 16 games or 20 games, we fielded the most different starting lineups in every game. That's poor. And we led the league by, like, I saw, like, three or four uh, game margin, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. So, you've got the band back. Now you're going to see the results. This team didn't make the finals off a of fluke last year. I firmly believe that they were helped out by the whole bubble situation. I mean, you, you throw fans in a non-bubble setting into this, there's no chance that they could make the finals last year, but they definitely earned their way into the finals last year. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. But and, and now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing why they made the finals. I mean, they are a good team when they're whole, but they haven't been whole. No, yeah, uh, the, the key with this Heat team has been depth. When they have all their guys... They are a well-cogged machine, a well-oiled machine. But when they are not at their full depth, it's a problem. And literally every game, somebody's been out. Uh, I remember like when we were playing Philly back-to-back games, and we basically were running a seven-man roster. Kelly Olynyk is playing, you know, forty minutes a night against Embiid and Dwight Howard. Uh, we got you know Kaziak Paula and Matt Struess, uh, Max Struess playing, you know, thirty-five minutes. It was just like a ridiculous. I respect to my man Olynyk though. Hey, Maple Dickle or Maple. Uh, Maple uh, Olenek definitely has uh, carried the team a little bit off the bench. He actually has been pretty good this year. I know that people uh, aren't a big fan of him, but he's actually been uh, balling up recently. Especially off the bench. It's like a, a solid, like, just, like, 20 minutes of game. Like, a lot of people in Miami like to uh, uh, disappreciate him. But I think he's been pretty decent Here's this year. Here's a thinker for you. Kelly Olenek is a free agent after this season, Danny Ainge. Bring him back. Actually, he's, he has a player option. Does he have a player option? I don't think so. It was a four-year deal. This is real four. I hope we signed him to a max. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's not resign him to a max. All right, moving on. Our next topic today. Um, we are going to look at um, basically some NBA uh, potential NBA trades. Um, basically, Bleacher Report released an article today with four superstar trades that can help bolster um, some uh, teams right now. So I just want to hear, first off, is this realistic? And then second off, who says no? So we're going to do a little bit of who says no. First trade. This was the one that is the most shocking. We're going to go with the first uh, Bradley Beal to the Warriors. Four. So basically, Bradley Beal and Jerome Robinson would be in the deal to make the money work, uh, to make the salaries match. The Warriors would be giving up Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and then that Minnesota, that uh, top three protected pick this year, unprotected next year if it falls in the top three this year pick. No chance that happens. There's no chance that happens. I, I mean, think the Wizards say no. What are they going to do when, no, no, from a Warriors perspective, what are they going to do when Clay Thompson comes back? Play him at the three. That's a terrible idea. You can't put three guard. You can't put three shoot first guards in the same backcourt. See, I think I, I disagree with you. I think Quay Thompson is like a is he a little undersized at the shooting guard? Yes, but at the or at the small forward position, yes. But at the same time, though, he's not a ball stopper. He plays off the ball. What's made him excel with other ball handlers that he can just move off the ball, uh, create offense without even dribbling. Him being next to two all uh, elite top five uh, offensive players, what could be very valuable for him. I just think this is a case where the Washington Wizards will say no because I think uh, Wiggins' is massive contract and basically Wiseman and like one pick wouldn't really do it. And Wiseman is, I'm we're still not sold. I'm still, not I'm sold still, on I'm him. not sold on it. Yet. People are flashing like, oh, he's got potential as the three point shot blocker. I'm like, are are you sure about that? I really yeah. don't think so. By the way, speaking of rookies, I hate to say it, but I think the undisputed rookie of the year is Lamelo Ball. I, I I'll agree with you there. I think he's been fantastic. You can make a case for Tyrese Halliburton, but for the most part, Lamelo Ball, especially given the Hornets' context, where they've been one of the best teams in the East or surprise teams at least in the East for sure, most underrated, uh, definitely. Um, and they've been fantastic this year. So yeah, I think uh for this Bradley Beal Wizard uh, Warriors thing, it's definitely a no go for either team. Yeah. Next trade. Now, this is one that actually shocked me a little bit. 
Uh, we got Miles Turner to the Miami Heat. Miles Turner would be shipped straight up to the Miami Heat for Tyler Hero as the main asset. Uh, Kelly Olynyk to make the money work, and then a 2025 first round pick with a boatload of protection that we don't need to get into. Who says no? Because I feel like if you're Miami says no, I feel like Indiana would be all for the trade. Because unless I'm mistaken, there's been a rift between them and Turner, but there is no way that the Miami Heat are giving up Tyler Hero because they are so high on him. I personally think he's overrated, but they are so high on him. There is no chance to give him. I mean, fans are saying they wouldn't give him up for James Harden. I think that there's a no for both teams. I think if you're Miami, you need to... So basically, I get the idea behind this trade. Because if you're Miami, your biggest hole is that four position. The Jay Crowder position. But I think replacing Jay Crowder with Bam and adding another center isn't the move. I think you'd rather just go for a wing player. Additionally, I think if you're uh, the Pacers, I don't think Hero and a first-round pick you know, five years from now isn't enough for Turner. Because Turner's been arguably a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He's without if he's not he has to be a candidate at least. Come on, he's doing the league in blocks and the Indiana Pacers have been awesome with him on the floor and not good with him off the floor. Okay. Um, I just think that he's too valuable on the on Indiana's side where I think they want a little bit more for him. I think yeah, Hero I isn't a good mean. asset. I see what you mean. Alright, next trade. You might like this one, maybe. Vucevic going to the Celtics. Four. So the trade would be uh the Celtics would be giving up Daniel Tice. He would be going to the New York Knicks, so there's a three teamer. Uh, they would also be giving up picks in 2023 and 2025. And these are firsts? Both first-round picks. Orlando would just give up Vucevic, and you would also get a 2023 second-rounder. So basically, just to recap it, Boston would get Vucevic and a second-round pick from the Knicks. Uh, New York would get Daniel Tice, and Orlando would get um, those two first-round Boston picks, 2023, 2025, totally unprotected. Yes, 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 yes. I think if you're Boston, you do this trade. Absolutely. I think if you're Orlando, you do this trade, too. You're getting a ma- uh, basically maximum value for a guy who makes your team moderately okay, but not great. Yeah, and like the Super Bowls we were talking about earlier, Orlando's kind of in purgatory. I mean, they've been 7, 8, 9 for years. The, the 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 they're the ultimate team that's gone between thirty five and forty four wins and as you know never won a playoff series. Exactly. Who says no? Orlando, make it happen. Danny Ainge, make it happen. If I had to lean, fix this stuff now. If I had to lean, I lean toward Boston saying no, just barely. If I had to pick between both teams because of the two first round, because of Danny Ainge, if I'm in his shoes, giving up two first, especially in twenty twenty five, I get it. Tatum and Brown are young. Okay, how many of this? How many of his first round picks have hit since Jason Tatum now? You want Zero. You? Yeah, okay. Romeo Langford. Well, you don't like him? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yep. You don't like his broken hand and his little broken jump shot? Alright, and our final trade. This one actually was the one that shocked me the most because uh, the Nuggets have always been a fan of to make a superstar trade, but instead of it being Bradley Beal, we got Zach Levine. Zach Levine straight up going to the Nuggets uh, for a boatload of assets. Um, basically, Gary Harris, Bull Bull, RJ Hampton, a first-round pick in 2021, unprotected, and then pick swaps in 2022 and 2024, both first-rounders. There's no chance that's happening. You want to know why? On Denver side or on bull, on the Bulls side? On the Bulls side. side. They're not giving up Zach Levine. I mean, they finally have their piece they want to build around. I mean, ever since they traded Butler, they've been down in the doldrums. Now I think they finally have the superstar they can build around in Zach Levine. So, that being said, they're not giving him up. See, I disagree. I actually think the Nuggets would do this and the Bulls would also do this. I think that if you're the Bulls, you have a guy who what like where are you going as a Bulls franchise right now? Because you've had lottery picks in the last couple of years, but they've never hit. 
Laurie Markin is always inconsistent. Kobe White may not be the best, uh, may not be a starting point guard, quite frankly. Ooh, I don't know about that. I, 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 we can argue about this all day. I just think if you're, you maximize, especially that now he was just picked as an all-star, which again, I disagree with, but we can go into this. You maximize your value now on a guy who doesn't really help you with winning, but also prevents you from being a bottom feeder to like get a good pick. And if you're in the Nuggets, your biggest problem besides defense, well, I, I would say put it like this, your problem as a Nuggets team has been defense. So if you're not going to be good on defense, you might as well maximize what's been good on the offensive end. And Murray's inconsistencies have been proven time and time again to be a detriment for the Nuggets. If you added Levine, you could put pressure off of Murray and basically have this three-headed trio on offense that can right. compete with any other Western Conference team, at least on the offensive end. All right, but at the same time, I mean, I don't see the Bulls being willing to part with their own star. It's just, I think, I it's, mean, it's my opinion. Yeah. It, I, it's a, it's, I mean, I like the trade for both sides. I think you can make a case that Chicago wouldn't do it, but if I were both teams, I would do this trade straight up. All righty, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have a long segment on the All-Stars. Specifically, uh, we're going to talk about who actually got in the All-Star game, and then we're going to talk about uh, who we actually thought deserved to be in the All-Star game uh, coming up. Alrighty, we are back with the second segment of the Duncan with Dom podcast, episode number two. Um, basically, the NBA yesterday released its all-star reserves uh, for both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Uh, what we're going to do is just a two-part thing. We're going to run down the rosters for both of the East and the West, and then we're going to decide, did the NBA make the right decision? Like, Did we have the right guys this year representing both conferences? So are you fine with that? Let's do it. Alright, so we're going to start out West because I actually think that this is the less complicated uh, conference to deal with. So, I'm going to run down first the team that I thought was going to make the All-Star game at the time. Uh, basically, uh, the starters uh, I had predicted. Uh, it was Steph, Luka, uh, Kawhi, LeBron, and Jokic. I had that uh, already in the money as locks. I had both Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell as locks. I had Paul George and Rudy Gobert as locks. I also put in there Anthony Davis, and that was before the injury. Uh, and then I had Devin Booker and Zion Williamson. In reality... Um, Chris Ball was put over Devin Booker, but because Anthony Davis has been injured, Devin Booker is now in the All-Star game as that final reserve spot. Uh, was that more or less the team that you had uh, when you predicted? We had the exact same team, also mistaken. So I, my starters were Curry, Luka, LeBron, Fungi, Kawhi, and the Joker. And my reserves were AD, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, PG-13, Zion. But Booker was replaced by CP3, Booker then replaced AD. So basically, we just had to switch in that Booker AD thing. But other than that, we basically had the same team. Yeah, and it's ridiculous that Devin Booker didn't get put in over Chris Ball. I mean, I mean, All-Stars are typically chosen off of scoring, except for the rare cases like that of Gobert, who is the best defensive player on the best team in the league. And, 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 right and, the, and honestly, you can argue the best player, and maybe not the best player in Utah, but the, he's the player that the system in Utah is built around. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But the system in Phoenix is built around Devin Booker. So it blows my mind that Chris Paul originally got the nod over Devin Booker. It's ridiculous. Was there a case for anyone? Like, did you think that anyone else should have been in the All-Star game ahead of, like, let's say, a Zion or a no. Chris Paul? No. Only Devin Booker. Because I, 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 I kind of agree with that sense. I think that there were some guys who they had cases, but they weren't really good cases. Like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, why didn't De'Aaron Fox get in? And I'm like, well, the Kings haven't been good. And I'm like, oh, why didn't uh, Shea Gill just not get in? I'm like, well, because they ha they haven't been good either. I just think, I think they actually got it right for the most part, minus the Devin Booker over Chris Paul thing. I think Chris Paul got it at the time because of that incumbency rule where it's like you're going to reward the veteran who's been there a ton of times. Like leaving him off would seem like a tragedy, especially because he's actually put up decent numbers this year. With that said, 
I think that, the, at least in the Western Conference, there isn't much of a debate. I think they got the guys right. Even, like, the Zion pick. Zion's been really good this year. I, th- I thought the Zion pick was perfect. I was scared at first because I thought that was, was going to be solved for debate because at the time, uh, especially um, early on in the season, I thought Zion was going to make the All-Star because he actually started off slow. But he's been really good, like, the last been, 15 games or so. He's been picking up steam quickly. I think that the, the bigger debate is out east. I think out east we're definitely going to have some differences. Um, basically, when I was in the pod with Aiden last episode, there was a lot of controversy with that last front court spot in the East and those last two wild card spots, especially because there was about three spots and 12 guys who deserved to be on the team. And ultimately, we had to cut some guys, and we had different guys. So we both had Chris Middleton on the team. I had him as a lock. Aiden did not. He had um, I had Trey Young and Ben Simmons on my team, and I think he had DeMontis Sabonis... And Zach Levine um, over um, Zach Levine actually has a shooting guard luck. We had Zach Levine basically on his team, and I did not. Uh, and I ended up being totally wrong this year. Um, in the end, uh, basically for the out east, uh, we already basically established who was going to make it. It was um, well Kyrie Irving, uh, J- uh, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, excuse me, I forgot Bradley Beal, Durant, Giannis, and Embiid, yeah. And then uh, Brown is a reserve instead of Kyrie. Yeah. The guards, like, so the guards, like, all right, Harden and Brown both had his locks. Uh, I had Jason Tatum, and I got the Ben Simmons pick right. But I ended up having Trey Young, Bam, and Chris Middleton, and they all got uh, basically not on the team. Instead, they were substituted for Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine. So was that more or less how your team turned out? Uh, so the two differences were I had Jimmy Butler in there, and I also had Gordon Hayward in there. So not Bam, but Jimmy. Yeah. And That's, okay, interesting. And Vucevic and Ben Simmons took their places, which, to be honest, I don't really have a problem with because, in my opinion, the East this year is far, 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 far less definitive than the West should have been with Booker over CP3. So I really don't think there's. I mean, there is a debate here, but I don't think it's. I don't think there's any right or wrong, if you know what I mean. So I'll start with my side, I guess. I thought the Julius Randle pick, I wasn't disapp- I wasn't angry at it. I think New York being a top seven team in the East this year was a shocker. Randle basically being power forward, Nicole uh, Jokic in a tier lower has been really good this year. So him making it, uh, I'm not totally shocked at. What got me angry was that I think Bam Adebayo got really screwed over here. He's been hurt for half the year. He's missed three games. The problem with Bam Adebayo is that I don't think you should fault him for the heat struggling when the entire team has been either out with injury or with COVID. But but the thing is, when you hear the work team, when you hear Miami Heat, you don't think of Bam Adebayo, you think of Jimmy Butler. But then I counter, though. The point of the All-Star game is it's about picking the best players from this particular season. It's not about what they did last oh, year. Oh, really? Then why did they pick Chris Paul over Devin Booker? That, that's not, again, I would argue that Booker should have been in over Chris Paul, and that's the exact problem we have here, is that there's certain guys, I think I think the NBA this year wanted to represent as many teams as possible, especially out east, but I think that they but, were... Well, if that's the case, then why did the Nets have three All-Stars? Because why did the Celtics have two All-Stars? Because they've been good this year. I mean, at some point, you just can't, like, leave certain guys out. Like, if Harden didn't make the All-Star game this year, there would have been riots. If Kyrie Irving didn't make the All-Star game, even though he's been putting up the best numbers arguably in his career in the last five years, there were going to be problems. There's just certain guys I think that they just have to put in the All-Star game, Chris Paul being one of them. I disagree with it. I think you have to base it off a year-by-year basis. But I just I think the reason that Bam Adebayo didn't make the All-Star game is that they already had two big men in Julius Randle and Nicole Vucevic, and they basically said... He, Zach Levine and, um, basically Zach Levine, Vucevic, and Randall produced more than Bam Adebayo in this year. And I would strongly disagree with that. 
I think Bam Adebayo has been a better two-way player than Vucevic, Randall, and Levine this well, year. What's the All-Star game about? The All-Star game is about putting the, the best no, players, no, the Reds, no, the Reds, No, I'm talking about the game itself. We're not what? Th- no, no. What is what is going to entertain fans more in that game? Offense or defense? We're not about entertaining the game here. The, we're not trying to create an entertaining product. The best no, no, no. That, that's exactly what they're trying to do. That's why they're having the game in the first Bam place. Bam Adebayo is not going to play more than 15 minutes in the All-Star game. The point of the All-Star game is to make sure that the best guys on both conferences are represented. Like, imagine, for instance, if out West, we had some, we had Jordan Clarkson in the All-Star game instead of Zion, or instead of, uh, I don't know, let's say Rudy Gobert, because Jordan Clarkson scored more points. That's a ridiculous argument. I guess Jordan Clarkson is as good of a player as Rudy Gobert, but we can't just do this on a point. Just okay, you want you want you want to say you want to go. Stats? Zach Levine's been the best player on a team that has never made the playoffs okay, once. Okay, you think Adebayo should be in over Randall? I think I not over Randall, but definitely over Levine. Okay, Bam Adebayo is averaging nineteen point six points, nine point five rebounds, five point five assists. So basically, we had nineteen ten and uh, twenty ten and six every game. Okay. Let's see how big the difference and is. And by here. the way, playing stellar defense on both ends of the court. Zach Levine is averaging twenty nine five and five. I don't think. I don't think... On a team that's still not as good and a team that still can't make a playoff game when he's your best player. Whereas the Heat had the same record... Oh, they, oh, would it kill you if I told you the Bulls currently have a half-game lead over the Heat right now? Would, I, would it kill you if I told you that the Heat haven't had half their team this whole year? Zach Levine, who, is, who has missed games this year for the Bulls? It's been Wendell, Car- Wendell Carter for about a third of the season. Lauren Markin's been out for a, Lauren Markin's been, a, been out for a hot minute, but you can argue he's not been a good player at all. Oh, he's... No, no, no. When he's... He's on my fantasy team. He's been a low-key stud. Fan- fantasy doesn't contribute to winning. I'd argue that Bam and Abayo should be in the All-Star game right now. This is a ridiculous thing. At least It's not. I'm not even mad at the Chris Middleton thing because I get it. Milwaukee's been underwhelming. But even then, him averaging the same numbers as Larry Bird and not getting in, even though the Bucks have been a top you say Chris team Middleton is averaging the same numbers as Larry Bird? He's literally putting up the same splits as Larry Bird. In 86 or 85. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Larry Bird averaged more than 20 points per game in 85 and 86. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll fact Let's find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. But in the case, in the meantime, I'll make the Bam out of battle case. I just think he should have been in. I get, I, I'm not angry at the Vucevic and the Julius Randle picks. I just think that they, they, given that circumstance, they had too many big men on the court, and they were just like, oh, you know, we'll just put Levine in there instead. And I think that's a totally ridiculous thing. Bird average 28, 9, and 8. In 86, and you're telling me that the man puts up the same numbers that Chris Milton is? Where, did, where it, did you get that stat? I, I read it wrong. It was like the same combination of like at least 20 points and 6 rebounds and 6s plus the shooting splits. Okay. So we had basically that. He averaged at least a 26 and 6 with 50, 40, 90 cents Larry Bird. Okay. So I guess that's a little bit of misinterpretation on my part. Okay. But regardless though, the fact that even Chris Middleton didn't make it, even though he's putting up identical, um, at least like uh, similar numbers as like a Larry Bird type is completely ridiculous too. I just think out east, I think they messed up. Especially in the, I, I, the, I knew this was going to happen because even then, like, for example, Ben Simmons, as a wild card pick, I did not have in there. I thought somebody uh, else should have been in. But then at the last minute, I was like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, if Philly is a good team. But I understand why he made it, even though I. You got to represent the best team in the yeah. east with two players. I get it. It's just a tough argument. And especially this year, it hurts more than ever because of that, that thing where we have to balance out basically the old guard with the new guard. Think about it. There are bit this year. Trey Young, Demontis Sabonis, Chris Middleton, and Bam Adebayo all made the All Star team last year and didn't get in this year in place of new blood. So the well, idea- that just proves your point from earlier. Like bringing in the new fresh guys. It's a year to year type deal. But new guys don't necessarily equal better. Because for example, Trey Young is putting up. Equally identical numbers, if not better, yeah, than Zach Levine. Fans, fans hate Trey Young, don't they? They consider him the biggest flopper in the NBA. 
I mean, I'm, just, I'm we're not arguing. We're not arguing. The All Star game isn't picked on who the fans hate or not. It's the, they're. Picked oh yes, no, no, yes, it is. Fans have a significant percentage Re of the vote. Regardless, Chris Middleton is a better player this year, and he didn't get in. Bam Adebayo is a better player this year, and he didn't get in. Uh, Chris Trae Middleton Young, is not better than Zach Levine this year. Bam Adebayo is not better I, than I Zach Levine totally, this I year. I totally, I totally, I'm not a Zach Levine fan. I think that's just my. I He's only carrying the Bulls onto the bubble right now. I, I just, I, it's just hard. I think, I think. I think the problem this year has also been the point total because Levine is putting up great numbers, but scoring all around the league has increased this year. Like there are more guys averaging twenty points per game now than there have been basically in the entire twenty first century. Wait, um, be honest, it's okay. Is hometown bias a factor here? In terms of what? In terms of Bam out of bio. No, I disagree because. Oh, you think there's no hometown bias involved in this situation? If I had hometown bias, I would have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in the All-Star game. But I think Jimmy Jimmy hasn't played enough games, so you can't qualify him as an All-Star. It's the same reason why, for example, I didn't have CJ McCollum out west, because he was an All-Star this year, but he only played like you know 15 or like 18 games. Oh, you really think CJ McCollum would get in over this pool of Western Conference players? He was averaging a 28-5-5. He's basically averaging Levine's numbers on a team that was is now the fifth seed in the West. He would have probably made it over, maybe not Zion, Probably like Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Both of them wouldn't be in the All Star game right now. I just think that um, overall, um, it's a hard debate. Is this we can just get at? In terms of me being a Heat fan, if if I if you thought I was biased, I would have both Heat represented, both superstars on our team right now. I don't even I'm not, I haven't even mentioned Jimmy Butler's name once as an honorable mention because he hasn't played enough games, and even then he hasn't been the the Jimmy Butler of old that we saw in the bubble. Bam Adebayo has taken a leap this year as a two way force. When he doesn't make All NBA third team this year as a center because we have Gobert, Mitch, a combo of Gobert and Bede and Jokic on there, it's gonna be one of those where it's like, wait, he didn't get in as a top three big man. It's like, yeah, because he's not a top three, but big he's man. still really good. He brings more value to a team than Zach Levine does. You put him behind Carl Anthony Towns too. I'm just saying, and that. I think Christian Wood is better than him. I wish I wish Bam could play defense. Christian Wood can't even spell the word defense. Oh God. I just think that they messed well, up with the Bam out of biopic. I'm not gonna rant it too long because we've already spent you know five minutes just uh, me berating here. I just think that th th this was a common theme this year for the All Star game is like because the standings in the East, especially between the fourth seed and the fourteenth seed, were so close. Who was gonna get in? I think the NBA this year swayed more in the we're gonna pick new blood over basically uh, keeping the guys that were in last year. Because for example, like even Sabonis, whose name I haven't even mentioned once, is putting up better numbers this year than he did last year by far and away. And without him, Indiana wouldn't really be a fourth seed in the East right now. They'd probably be like, you know, a six or seven seed. Yeah. So guys just got left out, simply put. And, like, it's, it happens every year. I don't think this year was as bad in terms of a snub. Like, I think last year, leaving Bradley Beal off the team entirely last year was, like, an egregious uh, crime. There have been other way worse years, don't get me wrong. I just think that I just, like, I get angry when I don't get my picks in. But, hey, you can't win them all. It happens. And we're we're going to have to agree to disagree here. I don't, I think there's no denying that. Yeah. But, I, I, regardless, I am excited. I'm honestly excited to see what's going to happen in the future. Because let's, uh, let's say a player opts out of the All-Star game. Like, say, in the East. Say, um, you know, Giannis says, oh, I don't want to play. Or say Durant says, oh, because of, like, my Achilles thing, I don't want to play an extra game if I don't need to. I'm going to rest the game. Who does the NBA replace out East? Because now we're basically back to square one. Where we've got a boatload of all stars, both who were in the game last year and who have a case who are to make it this year. There's like eight guys who can have that spot. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any, I don't think anyone's denying that. All right, so I just want to end off on one last question here. Um, obviously, it's been a chaotic but certainly fun NBA season so far. 
What are you looking forward to uh, for the remainder of this NBA season? We're basically almost at the halfway mark. We're about like 40%-ish of the way there. Uh, what are you looking forward to? For the Celtics to make a move. I mean, what, I mean, being a Celtics fan, it's hometown bias coming out here. But, I mean, you got to look forward to them making a move. You've got to because, simply put, Danny Ainge said it best, our roster is not championship caliber right now. I think what I'm looking forward to is basically um, the NBA standings normalizing out. Because we've already seen that because of COVID this year and because of injuries and because of like people, uh, teams starting off slow, that we're just going to need to see like what basically the standings that happened last year more or less are going to be what's going to happen this year. Like, for example... Uh, so you think Boston's going to jump all the way up right now? I don't, no, I don't think Boston will be, for example, a two-seed. But, for example, the New York Knicks being a fifth seed in the East right now, I don't think that's going to happen by the end of the year, especially because of the opponent's shooting luck and Randall basically balling up. I, th- I just think the rest of the supporting cast isn't good. I think if you're Denver being an eighth seed right now, they're not going to be an eighth seed heading uh, a month or two from you now. Know, one of the... I think if you're Dallas, I think Dallas is going to be a bottom three team in the West right now, a bottom four team in the West. Like, we, like things are going to normalize out toward the, month, uh, the rest of the month. And I'm excited to see how this picks up... It's Especially in the trade deadline, because if you're a team, which teams are going to hit the panic button and either reset or, on the contrary, um, trade for somebody who can help the team basically rebound and get back to that position that they were last year. And one of the X factors, I think, as the season goes on, will be the addition of fans as vaccine rollout continues, because you know more and more arenas are allowing fans. I mean, the Knicks and Nets are now allowing fans here in the state of New York. The Celtics will be allowing fans in a few weeks' time, and this. It could be an X factor going forward, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree with you there, especially with um, the playoffs. We need to think about this from a playoffs perspective because I think the biggest key, let's take Utah, the Jazz, for instance, right? They're aiming for the one seed because if you're in the one seed, you get to avoid uh, more likely than not the Lakers and the Clippers until the conference finals, assuming you win out in the rest of your rounds. Imagine having a full set of fans in your arena um, throughout the playoffs. Well, maybe not full capacity because... That last well, thing. Imagine, imagine even if they had half of the fans or a third of the fans, that matters. Or a quarter of the fans or a tenth of the fans. They just need fans, period. Whereas, for example, let's say you're a team like Boston. Will Boston allow for fans to be back in arenas? Yes, they are. Month? They are letting fans back in a few weeks. The, 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 the key we're trying to make here is that this is a state-by-state issue right now. So different sp- uh, states are basically... Uh, either allowing or not allowing fans to be at the arena at once. And this may not matter now, but especially come playoff time and toward the end of the regular season when like games are really going to pick up again, um, how will this impact uh, the league going forward? It's going to have a major impact. Oh, I totally agree with you there. Well, anyway, Liam, thank you so much for joining today's pod. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime. All right, be sure, for those of you who haven't uh, noticed yet, to listen on Spotify, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday with new guests all along the way. Uh, I'm Dominic Chapone. This is Liam Griffin. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you.